Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Here's the next thing you need to write, and we miss this one a lot. Prayer is the deciding factor in spiritual warfare. When we pray, it goes right to heaven through Jesus. And God loves to answer prayer against spiritual warfare. That is the deciding factor. That's why Jesus didn't go, hey, Pete, come over here. Let me give you some good words, baby. Come on, let's talk about what's going to happen. No, he says, I prayed for you. I know you're going to fail, but I'm going to restore you. I'm glad people are praying for me. Are you glad people are praying for you? These days, talk of the unseen spiritual world is generally left to the movies. Jesus, however, acknowledged the reality of things we can't see with the physical eye, but which affect our lives every day. As long as we continue to think of the devil as a dude in red flannel pajamas running around with a pitchfork, we'll never be able to successfully battle against the forces of darkness. Pastor Mark, teaching from 1 Peter, reminds us that this realm is very real. In the same way that Jesus took it seriously, we need to do the same and become engaged in the battle for our souls. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 with part one of his message, Living Hope in and Beyond the Battle. Now remember what 1 Peter is all about. Peter is in Rome, and he is writing an epistle, a letter, to churches that are in, we would call today, modern Turkey. And they're suffering greatly, and so he's writing to them to encourage them through all of this, and to tell them that they have living hope, because of Jesus Christ. Now, they were suffering greatly. In Rome, people were suffering greatly. This is 2,000 years ago. Well, nothing's really changed since then. Between services, I was looking at India and three or four different places now, arresting them, beating the Christians up. I've been going to India since 1990, and it's just getting difficult. Here's another thing I just saw this week. I thought it was very interesting. Children, entire evangelical families being arrested in Aitra simply for praying. Since May, nearly 200 Christians have been arrested. Instead of just raiding church services or Bible study, the government now goes into the home of Christians and arrests the whole family. And one of the amazing things about the entry in church is that they continue to serve the Lord. They continue to meet together for worship. The churches that were closed moved almost immediately into the house church. Underground church activity is now the vogue, the normal. See, that's never changed. And you're going to see this morning 
why it's never changed. Just the same as it was 2,000 years ago. Just different cities, different places, different areas. We begin 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, Peter says we need to be alert. We need to practice self-control. Now, why is he saying that? Because there's a principle here you need to understand. Now, if you're new to Christianity or you're just searching for church, you're not too much, this will kind of be a shock to you. But it's 100% truth, and I'll explain it very simply to you in a moment. Take a look at what Paul writes in Ephesians. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Now, look at me for a moment. In India, they're fighting against people. ISIS are people against people. Back in Jesus' day, Jews were fighting against the Christians. And then the Gentiles were fighting against the Christians. But that's not really the battle. Look at this. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, the spirit world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, how in the world did this unseen evil world ever happen? Why do we have this spiritual warfare? Well, let me just go back very quickly. Remember when Satan was in heaven, God had designed, he was going to make people, create people, and people were going to live with him in heaven forever. No sickness, no pain, no suffering, no death, nothing. But when Satan got prideful and wanted to replace God, he was cast down to the earth. The very first thing he did when he got here, and then after Adam and Eve were created, he went and he tempted them. And they gave in in spite of the warnings for God. They disobeyed God. And because of that, sin entered our world. Right after Adam and Eve sinned, God came and forgave Adam and Eve. And he made a promise. He said, there's someone coming that's going to defeat you, Satan, forever. It'll be over. And that was a picture of the Messiah that was going to come, Jesus. Now, if you go back to the Old Testament, all the Old Testament, there's spiritual warfare, Satan. That warfare is ongoing, ongoing, ongoing. Major purpose of Satan in those days was to try to get this person that was going to come and defeat him to keep him from defeating him. So he would try to find, we know that the Bible predicted Jesus would come in the line of King David. So he tried that. He tried all kinds of things. He he failed through the Old Testament. Now we come to the New Testament and here we are at Christmas. And you say, this is kind of a strange topic, Pastor Mark. Spiritual warfare at Christmas? Well, it didn't stop at Christmas. You remember when Jesus was born, Remember, he was in little Bethlehem. And a while later, a year and a half, two years later, the wise men came to worship Jesus. And after they left Jesus and gave their gifts, here's baby Jesus with Mary and Joseph, and they're clueless. They don't know what's happening in the world. 
Well, in Jerusalem, the Herod, the leader, he put out an edict. Kill every baby boy in all this area under two years of age. Who would have that included? Jesus. Who gave Herod the idea? Satan. And that warfare was there. Now, how did that not happen? Well, an angel came and said to Joseph and Mary, hey, you didn't get my text. He said, thereafter, your son, Jesus, the Messiah, flee to Egypt. So Mary and Joseph, in the middle of the night, went to Egypt to protect Jesus. Now we fast forward and we go all the way to the cross. Satan still tried to keep Jesus from going to the cross in the garden, all kinds of ways. But he went to the cross and on the cross, Jesus defeated Satan forever. Can I hear an amen? Now, that's the good news. Uh, I have some bad news. Since Jesus is in heaven, who is Satan after now? Every Christian. He's not after the unbelievers. See, if you've never accepted Christ, you're already part of Satan's family. You don't believe it. That's because you're deceived. So he's after every single Christian. So two things I want you to write this morning to start this teaching. Here it is. Satan is real. And he's out to destroy Christ's followers. Spiritual warfare is real. It's the unseen world. And it has eternal consequences. Now understand, in this sanctuary, at any church that's speaking about Christ today, there's spiritual warfare. In this service, and don't get weird with me, there are unseen things, angels and demons, And they're not there beating up people, but Satan's goal is always, the battle is always where? It's in the mind. So distraction comes from Satan. Those of you that are thinking, well, I better join Jesus because that's a good place. Good. He's going to be battling in your mind. That's what happens. That's the way it is. Now look back at what Peter said to these people. Look at verse eight, be alert and sober mind. Circle this word in your Bible, your enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone, circle these two words, to devour. So we get a picture of what Satan's trying to do. Some of the names from Satan all the way through the Bible, there's many names for Satan. They give us a little bit of his characteristics. Let me read them to you. He's an angel of light. That means he's a great deceiver. He's a liar. He can't even speak the truth, the word says. Now, look at this dichotomy. Satan can't speak the truth. Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. Look at that dichotomy. Satan is also called the tempter, the evil one, the slanderer, the accuser, and our adversary. One of his great strategies And see, to understand those names, we begin to see how he works. When we sin, he's the one that accuses us. God will never forgive you that. It's over. You said you never sinned. You did it. Forget Christianity. No, I'm glad for Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He forgives us. He forgives us. Now, one of the great strategies is simply focused in the word of God. See, this is the truth. And Satan's strategy is to get Christ followers to doubt, deny, 
and simply disobey the word of God. If he can do that, he's well on his way to winning the battle in your individual life. So I have to feed my mind on the truth of the word of God. That's what we're doing this morning. That's why I said to you today, do you have a Bible? If you don't, get a Bible. Turn with me where you're at. This is all about you. Now, here's the next thing you have to write. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Here it is. Spiritual warfare is personal. Remember we talked about your enemy. It's not about your neighbor. It's not about the person sitting next to you. That Satan is your enemy. What does that mean? He's after our marriages. He's after our families. He's after new believers who have just come to Christ to discourage them. Well, I mean, you accepted Christ, but never really, really happened. It was just emotional. That's why we have starting point to get them to learn See, before, Satan didn't bother an unbeliever. Why would he? He's got all his time on Christians because the unbeliever's already in his camp. But the minute that unbeliever changes, he goes after them. And he loves to go after the babies, the ones that are brand new. Forget the age, just a brand new Christian. That's why we try to mature them and get them to understand. Now, what is the ultimate goal of Satan? Where is Satan going to spend eternity? Tell me. In hell, separated from God, really called the lake of fire. For how long? Forever. Now, just ask yourself, what is the goal of Satan? To take as many unbelievers with him as possible. That's why we're a church. Because we're trying to get as many people to heaven versus hell. So you understand, the real battle is over the person's spirit, soul. Everyone, when they die, their body dies. But their spirit will live forever. And where they live is what the battle's about. Now, Peter knows that a Christ follower must know these deceptions, these names of Satan. So he says, remember, look at verse 8. Stay alert and be of sober mind. Think about it. And that just reminds us today in the scripture, he's writing to the people that are in the battle The battle isn't really just about your physical. It's the spiritual battle there. Keep going for it. Keep going. Stay alert. And I want to say to you this morning, understand that the spiritual warfare is real. It's right here. Now, for some of you, you've never heard that. It's like kooky. It's not kooky at all. It's unseen, but it's real. It's the spirit world. Now, I want you to just wake up your neighbor for a second because they've already gone to sleep. Just say this to them right now. Just turn to your neighbor and say, stay alert, the battle is real. Come on, turn and try it out. Stay alert, the battle is real. And when is the battle happening? It's going on right now. It's absolutely, the one you woke up, the one that's just snoring next to you, they already lost the battle. Praise God, I woke him up. Hey, man, let's move on. All right, now, why did Peter say that about the spiritual battle? Well, let me tell you. This is a true story. Jesus and Peter were walking one day and the disciples were with them. In the book of Luke, chapter 22 says this. And Jesus says this to Peter. Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you as wheat. Now that whole story, you, is actually plural. So Jesus said, Peter, since you're the head, he's definitely after you. But he's after the other disciples. Now, why would Satan be after the disciples? 
I'm imagining that he knew if he can't defeat Jesus, who's left to take the good news to the world? The disciples. So he's trying to defeat them before he knows the outcome of the cross. By the way, did he do any good with the disciples? Did he defeat any of them? Who was he? Exactly. And the Bible says, and Satan entered Judas. Not the Holy Spirit. Satan entered Judas. That's what's called demon possession. So it was real. Now, with that threat, why did Jesus say that to Peter? Well, let me read to you. And Jesus says this, Peter, but I have prayed for you. Peter, that your faith may not fail. And when you repent, when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus prayed for Peter not to fall away and lose his salvation. But he prayed for faith. And he says, I know that you're going to fail. Now, when did Peter fail? You remember the time it was in that upper room that Peter said to Jesus, these other disciples, they're going to fail you. They're going to run away from you if you get crucified. I will never fail you. You know the story. Cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> Jesus said to him, Peter, remember after pride comes a what? Fall. He denied the Lord three times. He felt horrible. That was Satan trying to get the leader of the disciples to be useless. Thanks for the grace of God. Because Jesus restored him. And remember what it says, after you're restored, strengthen the brethren. Well, what is Peter doing? He's writing a book to believers, strengthening them in their own spiritual warfare. How beautiful is that? Now, how do I know that this prayer of Jesus was effective. Tell me what book we're studying. First John, right? Judas number one, right? What book are we studying? Okay, this is about 40 years later. Did the prayer of Jesus work? 100%. He's writing an epistle being used by the Holy Spirit. Here's the next thing you need to write. And we miss this one a lot. Prayer is the deciding factor. And spiritual warfare. When we pray, it goes right to heaven through Jesus. And God loves to answer prayer against spiritual warfare. That is the deciding factor. That's why Jesus didn't go, hey, Pete, come over here. Let me give you some good words, baby. Come on, let's talk about what's going to happen. No, he says, I prayed for you. I know you're going to fail, but I'm going to restore you. I'm glad people are praying for me. Are you glad people are praying for you? Now, Look at verse 9. Resist him, Satan, standing firm in the faith. The Bible never tells us to yield to Satan or to give up. It says, I personally have to resist him. Not your friend, not your wife, not your husband, not your pastor. You have to resist Satan. So write this down. How do I do that? Here it is. Resist Satan... And stand firm in the faith, just as it says in the scripture, by obeying the word of God. As we study God's word, God grows our faith. 
Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. As I'm in the word of God, it's building my faith. So resisting Satan comes from being in the word of God. Now, I want you to keep your finger right there in 1 Peter and flip back to James, if you will, James chapter 4. James was Jesus' half-brother. And he, it almost sounds like Peter when he's writing this. Of course, they knew each other. James chapter 4, look down at verse 7 in your Bible. Look at verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Step one, submit yourself to God. Step two, resist the devil. Step three, outcome. And he will flee from you. So James used the same principle again as Peter often did. He was always talking about submission. First thing that you and I are going to do, if we're going to be successful in defeating the enemy, I have to submit to God first. That simply means I come under his rule. An unbeliever will never defeat Satan. Because Satan, against a human, we have no choice. We're done. We're finished. It's over. But Satan, with a believer who has God living in him, you're defeated, Satan. So I have to first submit my life to God, his rule, listen to him, and obey him. Now, one of the great schemes of Satan is called temptation. And it's in all kinds of forms. Let me just say this to you. A little story. A little girl fell out of bed one night and she began to cry. And her mother rushed into her bedroom, picked her up, put her back in the bed and said, honey, why in the world did you fall out of bed? And she said, I think I got too close to the place where I got in. (laughs) All right, it's moving through the audience. You say, that isn't funny. No, that's a picture of a word that temptation does to us. It's called compromise. In the Old Testament, Lot and Abraham had to separate because they had too many animals. So Lot picked this really good place for his sheep and animals and all that. And he moved there. And it was right outside Sodom and Gomorrah, known as horrible, sinful city. So let's just say this is Sodom and Gomorrah. His first step was he just camped outside Sodom and Gomorrah. But that wasn't the end of it. The next step, we actually see him, and I'm not going to step down there, don't worry. We see him in the city, actually, right here is one of the judges of the city, in a totally ungodly city. So he camps near Sodom. The next thing, he's right in the city, in the middle of all of that. And the third thing is, Sodom goes right inside of him. That's called compromise. Today, Pastor Mark challenged us to think of the unseen spiritual world as an actual thing, not something only in the minds of people like Stephen King. We now understand that we have an enemy who wants to see us ineffective in our walk with Christ. It's important for us to learn how to resist his attempts to throw us off track as we try to become more Christ-like. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue the teaching Living Hope in and beyond the battle. We'll be taught more about recognizing and resisting the devil's efforts to get us off track with God. We'll also find out more about God's love for us. We'll be encouraged to share his love with those around us. The role of suffering in our lives will be explored as well. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. Together, let's do life right.